You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Fallout from the FBI investigation of former Congressman Weiner continues to drop onto the Clinton campaign. WikiLeaks Assange says he'll continue to dox, but denies he's doing so with Russian help. IoT-driven DDoS fears continue. A new exploit kit is replacing earlier stars in the criminal firmament. NIST issues a cybersecurity workforce framework. NSA promotes its day of cyber. And the Cynet 16 are introduced in Washington. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, November 3rd, 2016. More continues to emerge on the FBI's renewed investigation of emails that allegedly found their way from former Secretary of State Clinton's private server to a laptop belonging to former New York Representative Anthony Weiner. It's thought that they are on the laptop because of Weiner's connection to his now-estranged wife, Huma Abedin, a close aide of Ms. Clinton. The number of emails is very large, in the hundreds of thousands, and machines used by key Clinton advisors that were thought to have been destroyed are now reported to be under active exploitation by the FBI. Sources are telling various news outlets that FBI investigators have high confidence that five unnamed foreign intelligence services succeeded in compromising the former secretary's now decommissioned and presumably not replaced private server. We leave speculation about which five nations are suspected as an exercise for the listener. WikiLeaks continues to make good on its promise to release discreditable documents related to the election with a particular animus directed at the Clinton campaign. More are expected before next Tuesday's election. Most of the recently released emails have been associated with campaign manager Podesta, and the general climate of opinion holds that they were taken by Russian intelligence services. But WikiLeaks's leader, Julian Assange, denies that he's getting those documents from Russia. Where he's getting them, he isn't saying. But the releases do seem generally aligned with Russian interests. Concerns, of course, about Russian influence on U.S. elections continue. Among those concerns are the prospect of distributed denial-of-service campaigns against election-related targets. DDoS fears have risen since the Mariah Internet of Things botnet attacks last month. Bitdefender reports finding an exploitable vulnerability in widely used web cameras that would render them susceptible to botnet herding. Looking back at the DDoS attacks sustained by Dyne two weeks ago, the Online Trust Association says that the attacks could have easily been prevented with better secured IoT devices. That's no doubt true enough, but in fact such devices are widely deployed and haven't been securely provisioned. 
and mopping up so very large a number of insecure devices is a far from trivial challenge. Many observers have discerned signs of ISPs becoming more willing to take an active role in combating IoT-based DDoS, but others raise doubts. Net neutrality policies and regulations are thought by many to be likely to inhibit ISPs from doing so. Analysts think such companies would assume non-negligible regulatory risk. Hacktivism and state-sponsored cyber activity may have bulked large in the news recently, but it would be a mistake to think that more conventional cybercrime has gone into any temporary eclipse. The Angler, Neutrino, and Nuclear Exploit Kits have been put down, but the Sundown Exploit Kit is increasingly occupying their niche in the criminal ecosystem. Hospitals in the UK continue their recovery from a criminal attack they sustained over the past week, and news has broken of a major data breach among New Zealand nursing services. As technology evolves, one area that's grown in sophistication is telecommunications, with most new subscribers choosing voice over IP over traditional landlines. There are generally cost savings and productivity gains to be had, but also concerns about reliability and attack surface. We checked in with Edward Fox from telecommunications provider Mettel to get his perspective on secure telecommunications. Out in the wild, there, there's many carriers, and, and just for the simple fact that many enterprises and end users, uh, just like we're talking on Skype today, we're, we're mixing data and voice. We're having a great connection, uh, but if something was to happen in between and if that particular attack is in the path of where our voice is going, it can be affected. We try to keep the, the voice and data networks as, as segregated as possible, although, you know, I have to say 85% of our customers that we serve today have converged last miles. But usually the last mile is not, it, when you're talking about DDoS, usually the last mile is not where the, where the biggest issues are. Um, so, so we do that as well as we keep uh, trusted versus untrusted networks. And that allows us to keep the, the untrusted side beefier and, you know, able to take on traffic that, that it's not ready for and protect the trusted side of the network. Uh, we spent a little extra money doing it, but it's uh, on the voice side, it's a architecture that has saved us multiple times. Can you dig into that a little bit more? What are we talking about when we're talking about a trusted and untrusted uh, network configuration? Yeah, so just as an example, on in our voice network, we have proxies or, or session border controllers that face different networks. Um, and we have those completely segregated on completely different networks. Uh, and we have those that register endpoints and talk to our customers and talk to their PBXs and polycom phones in their desk. Uh, and then we have those which talk to the rest of the world. And, and we treat those very differently in how we broadcast IP addresses and, and where we actually put them in the network. So let's say I'm someone starting up my own organization and I know I'm going to need telephones, I'm going to need internet. What would your advice be for someone in that situation in terms of the kinds of things they should be looking for? I would advise to look for a, a partner that uh, may not necessarily be the, the underlying, you know, last mile provider, like your Cablevision or Comcast or someone of that nature. You want to look, look for someone who can give you the, the benefit of that pricing and that bandwidth, but can give you the overlay uh, and the service around cloud firewalling and cloud or ho hosted voice. You know, someone who's taken the, the time and the initiative to do things like sandbox and offer that as a service, DDoS protection, you know, up in the cloud, 
and as well as you know to take your voice network and and make sure that there's a trusted part of it and there's an untrusted part of it and only expose you you to the outside untrusted part when you're making outbound calls which can be routed all over the world today so um that would be my advice that's edward fox he's vice president of network services at mettel In industry news, Microsoft says it will have a patch ready on Tuesday for the Windows Zero Day Google recently disclosed. Sophos has acquired Irish security analytics shop Barricade. A much larger acquisition has also been announced. Broadcom is buying Brocade for $5.5 billion. Speculators expect to see a wave of mergers and acquisitions in the broader IT sector. NICE, the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, is meeting this week in Kansas City. NIST has been using the occasion to launch not only its CyberSeq jobs map, which we mentioned in yesterday's daily news briefing, but also a draft cybersecurity workforce framework. This may be expected to draw considerable attention and attract considerable comment. Your suggestions and reactions can be communicated to NIST by emailing them. Comments are open until January 6, 2017. Also at the NICE meetings, one heard about NSA and its Life Journey partner, who are offering a day of cyber for students. Registrations have already passed the 5 million mark. Finally, a couple of our stringers are down in Washington today for the annual Cynet Showcase. We'll have a full report in upcoming issues of our daily news brief. The Cynet Showcase always features the Cynet 16, 16 innovative startups selected from a field of hundreds. We'll close today by congratulating all of them. This year's winners are, in reverse alphabetical order, Vera, Threat Quotient, Safe Breach, Risk Sense, ProtectWise, Prelert, PostQuantum, Phantom Cyber, Passages, Menlo Security, Interset, Digital Shadows, DataVisor, CyberX, Contrast Security, and Blackridge Technology. Congratulations to them all. Their predecessors have established a terrific track record. And again, that list was in reverse alphabetical order. You're welcome, Vera. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. 
Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also head of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan saw an article come by on Ars Technica about some Google researchers who had uh, set a couple of artificial intelligences uh, to sort of team up together and try to come up with some some cryptographic stuff. Uh, Explain to us what was going on here. This was pretty interesting work, actually. Uh, What the researchers did was they set up uh, three neural networks corresponding to uh, three different entities, Alice, Bob, and Eve. And uh, what they did was they just programmed these neural networks to try to search for algorithms that would allow Alice to encrypt a message uh, and send it to Bob, who would then be able to decrypt it and recover it, uh, while simultaneously hiding the message from Eve. And then they basically just uh, let these algorithms run until they converged on something where Alice and Bob were doing well in terms of being able to recover the messages being sent, while Eve was uh, not doing well, namely not being able to recover what was what was being sent. So essentially, they just let the algorithms run, these neural networks run, and discover algorithms on their own, as it were. And were these were these novel algorithms that they came up with? Well, uh, they were definitely novel. I mean, one of the things that's funny is that actually the researchers were not really able to characterize what algorithm uh, Alice and Bob were using to communicate. So it was, you know, they could maybe uh, discern some characteristics of it, but they didn't really have a good representation of what the algorithm was doing. Uh, All they knew was that it was some algorithm that was allowing Alice and Bob to communicate, while uh, correspondingly Eve was not able to decrypt what was coming out. It, was that a surprise that that uh, Eve's ability to decrypt the messages wasn't as good as the the as uh, Alice and Bob's ability to keep to uh, to hide it? Well, so first of all, I don't want to you know sound too uh, over enthusiastic here because what, what the research uh, ended up showing was that Eve was not able to decrypt, but that doesn't mean that somebody more clever who was looking in from the outside and using techniques other than those uh, discovered by this neural network. Uh, might not have been able to decrypt. And in fact, actually, the encryption algorithm that they were using, um, I think the researchers said themselves in the paper, uh, it would have been possible for somebody, for a researcher, for a cryptographer looking at it from the outside to uh, actually cryptanalyze it. So the the only, the only uh, security guarantee that they're giving for the encryption algorithm is that this neural network couldn't figure out how to break it. That doesn't mean that nobody can figure out how to break it. So from that point of view, you know, just because of the way they set the experiment up, it wasn't surprising uh, that it converged on a situation where Eve couldn't decrypt very well. I, I think really it's just a fascinating idea, and I'm sure it'll be pushed uh, a lot further in future work. Have these people never seen a Terminator movie? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I was just at a conference last week, and uh, one of the big things people were talking about was machine learning and how powerful it's getting and the coming uh, breakthroughs in AI. And so it looks like that's the direction we're heading with, with everything. Uh, fortunately, right now, uh, cryptography is hard enough that AI hasn't cracked it, but this might just be the start. All right, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.